0: Life gets hot when you get down. I'm just to figure my shit out. What's going on, guys? My name is Mark Anthony Joe, and this is Coffee with Mark. You know, I uh I, I saw an Instagram post today that uh you know that was just incredibly thought-provoking. Um and it's it, it was a it was an excerpt or a clip from what looked like a group discussion with a with a with a whole panel of um, of people sitting up on a stage. They all had microphones and they were sort of having this they were having this intimate discussion, but it seemed like they were having the discussion. Uh, not only in public, but almost like on a stage, right? And there was an audience, there was people watching, there was cameras recording. And so I don't know if it was a TV show or if it was a live audience, or, you know, at an event of some sort. But they were having this discussion and, um, and actually the guy who I saw posted, his name is Devin Levesque. I like I like this guy a lot. You know, I like his energy. I like his brand. Um, you know, he's worth following on Instagram. He's just, uh, he's... he's you know, on the surface, he's just a fitness influencer, but there's a lot of substance to him and a lot of substance to what he does. In fact, the guy got really well known. I mean, he was well known before this, but, but where, uh, he he really kind of stood out to me was at one point he, and, and don't quote me on this, but, um, he like bear crawled, I believe a marathon, he bear crawled a marathon. And I think he did the whole thing for like to raise money for charity, um but anyway the guy is is really cool really interesting cat um he's got a good head on his shoulders and and he was one of these people that was up on this stage with a microphone and he was just talking quickly about you know success and you know he kind of rhetorically posed the question like what is success like what is success you know and he's looking at the people around is it likes is it this is it that is it and you know several hours later now I'm just sitting here I was sitting at the dinner table with Grace and uh, I said, "Man, what should I talk about today on the show?" And, and and that question, you know, kept ringing in my mind. And the truth is, you know, I haven't thought I haven't thought about it too extensively. Um, you know, everything that I share here on this show is is really just, you know, kind of you know my thoughts um, as they're coming to me here. Because I'm I, I'm just I'm literally just sitting down after dinner. Um, and this question is just on my mind. What is success? And I think that, you know, I think it's important to talk about this, um, because most of society tends to agree on the answer to that question. And I'm gonna be honest, I, th- I, th- I think that people are pursuing the wrong thing. I, th- I think they are, for real. You know, I read, a, I read a book once. In fact, I didn't just read it once. I read it many, 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 many times. Um, it's perhaps my single favorite book of all time, okay? And that, that I don't say that lightly, okay, guys? I take my reading seriously. I, I take a lot of pride in being somebody that's read a lot of books, that's, you know, well-versed in a lot of different things. Um, but this, it, it really quite literally may be my favorite book of all time if I had to pick one, all right? And that's very difficult because you got fiction, nonfiction, you've got all different genres, but the book I'm talking about is called The Alchemist, and it's by a guy named Paulo Co- Coelho, I believe is how you say his name. But anyway, The Alchemist is a very, very famous book, very well-known book. Um, it's almost like a children's book. It's so simple. Like, the, the, the reading level of this book is very low. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a fifth grader could read it um, with no problem, you know, and, and enjoy the story just as much as a man or woman in their 50s, okay? Like, it is... Um, it is very, very rudimentary in, in, in at least the the reading level and the style of writing, but it's just a short novel, um, and it's a story about this shepherd who is searching for a, a treasure. Like he, in the beginning of the book, he has a dream, and you know, I guess. I don't know, God or a genie or something. I can't remember. It's been probably <clears throat> probably two years, three years since I've read it. But anyway, in the beginning of the book, he has a dream, and someone speaks to him and basically tells him that like a hidden dre- treasure is waiting for him, and he goes in search of this treasure. Um, and the whole book is this journey, and, and, and like I mentioned, he was a shepherd, right? He was a shepherd, and so... Um, you know, in the beginning of the book, he he doesn't have anything but his sheep, like his flock. His flock is his whole life. That's all he's ever known. He's only ever been a shepherd. His father was a shepherd. He comes from a family that does that, um, and so he he's never known anything other than that life. And when he decides to go on this journey in search of this treasure, um, he comes to a point where he he has to choose between his flock. Between, you know, staying with what he knows and what he's always known and then, you know, leaving his flock behind and going on this adventure. And, you know, ultimately he does. He decides to leave his flock behind, which that in and of itself is a topic that we could absolutely discuss and explore. But he does. He decides to leave his flock behind and he sells his entire flock, okay, of, I keep calling it a flock I don't know if it's a flock. He tells no, it's a herd, right? A herd of sheep. But anyway, he sells his entire group of sheep, all right, which is all he's worked his entire life for. Okay, his entire life. This is all he has to show for his entire life up until that point because he's been a shepherd for his whole life, and um, and he sells it. He sells it. He sells every last one of his sheep um, in order to get enough money to go on this adventure, to go on this journey, to go in search of this hidden treasure, all right? And the first town that he comes to after having sold all of his sheep, all right, he ends up getting robbed. He ends up getting robbed. Somebody tricked him. Somebody stole every single dollar that he had. Okay, seriously. And This is actually the point in the story that I want to bring up right now, which I could talk about The Alchemist in a multitude of different conversations for hours and hours and hours because there's so much wisdom in that book. All right, seriously, like if you haven't read it, you need to read that book. I've literally read it in a day before. Like that's how easy of a read it is. It's not very long. But anyway, he sells every last one of his sheep, everything that he's worked his entire life for up until that point. He sells them all. To get enough money to take this adventure. And in the very first town he comes to, he gets robbed. He gets robbed by a thief. And he has nothing. And you know what? I think that... Man, this this sounds bad. Okay, I don't mean this literally. But figuratively, I really... Th- I believe that that needs to happen to more people. I, th- I think... It would be a good thing. Like I think it should happen to everyone. Everyone once. Once. Like maybe if you could if you could somehow have that experience without actually losing everything, man, I I I wish you could have that. I I swear. Like I'm being like some of you are thinking, "Mark, you lost your fucking mind now." No, I I'm I'm being serious. I wish that you could have that. Like, lose everything, but not lose anything. Like, I wish you could. I wish you could. Like, because I truly believe that it was having to start life over from scratch with absolutely nothing that has given me the perspective that I have. So much perspective on life but that's also given me a, a, a liberation, a freedom, uh, an ease, you know, a carelessness that 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 man, Not many people have, and, and you know what? I'm so I'm so so incredibly grateful for it. You know, I I really am. I um, I've had several conversations over the years with um, with with people, very very close friends, mentors of mine who are incredibly successful, incredibly wealthy people um and i've always maintained that like you know hey man like like money's not a money's not a, a motivator for me um you know no matter what i do it's never about the money like yes I'm, I'm i'm i have a knack for figuring out dollars and cents i have a knack for sales i have a you know, I can, I can make money. And, and, and perhaps somebody could could probably make a, a, a pretty compelling argument that, that maybe that's why, you know, I'm not so concerned with money is because, you know, some way, somehow, I always seem to figure it out. But you know what? I, I don't think that's it. I really don't. I think it's the fact that I have literally lost everything. I've lost everything. I have gone through the same thing that Santiago, who's the main character of that book, went through. I, I know what it's like to lose it all and to and to you know and to 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 experience that moment where you think that your whole life is over because all of the quote unquote wealth that you've accumulated over the course of your entire life was stripped from you and now you have nothing. You're starting from scratch. You feel like there's no way that you'll ever you know make up for that loss like for real but then you do it <laughs> but then you do it and you realize like man you know like when you lose everything you, re- you it really does help you put things into perspective because you know what the next day the sun rises you know the sun rises some way somehow you figure it out you know you find a place to sleep ah, you, you figure out, okay, what do I do now? Where do I start? Um, and where do I go from here? And one day at a time, life goes on, you know, life, life goes on. Like I don't, it's almost like I can't even explain it, but you, you figure it out. Like, like literally that is the only option in that moment is you've got to figure it out and you do, and you do. And, And what you realize, I think along the way is, is, you know, the stress, the anxiety, the, that sense of loss, like the grieving that you do for that, for your possessions, you know, for, for your money, it passes, it passes eventually. And, and and it doesn't take quite as long as you, you might think it does. And then not only does it pass, but man, one day you, you smile, you laugh, you, you, you go to the park, you go on a walk, you wake up and you read a book or whatever. You have a, a one of those moments just a a beautiful human to human interaction with, you know, a, a barista at Starbucks or, you know, a person that that greets you when you walk into Walmart, right? And you just you start to realize that like, man, you know, those possessions, that, that money, it didn't it didn't it didn't it didn't dictate whether or not, you know, I could live and enjoy my life. It didn't dictate whether or not I'd laugh or smile or have a great interaction with somebody and and um you know my again, those same friends, those very, very successful people in my life, those mentors, they've told me before, like I've they've literally responded to me, Mark, you need to you need to worry about money is, is what they've said to me before and and I think that they say it one with good intentions right because these people are very wealthy they do have you know i I have no doubt there's no there's no arguing that like okay having you know enough money to literally do what you want when you want you know with who you want for however long you want like there's there's no denying that that would be nice right that's not that's not what I'm saying here and in fact you know when I was talking to grace she said dang mark, you know I I have a hard time keeping up with your mind and and it's it's um it's worth noting here that like I'm not I mean it's tough to have this conversation because it's so easy for somebody to to interpret this especially given my last several episodes as like hey quit your job stop worrying about money just live and be happy like it's it's funny because I am saying what I'm saying but I'm also not saying that okay that is not what i'm saying all right you need to you need to, you need to have a dependable consistent reliable source of income you really do um, and you definitely should not just up and quit your job even if it's a job that you don't love like i've done many things in my life that i hated or that i didn't love in order to get to the point where I'm at now, where I don't really have to do anything that I don't absolutely love, like that's sort of like the cost of doing business. And so, just understand that if you haven't already gone through that phase of life, well, then I'm sorry, brother, but you or, or sister, right? But you gotta go through that phase of life. Okay, that's just the rite of passage. But but what I am saying, what I am saying is as I, I feel like so many people just sort of chase their tail their whole life, right? They they, they chase this, this idea of success. Or maybe they chase this idea of security, which, to be honest, for most people is just one and the same thing. But I feel like that's what they're doing. When I watch Tank in my living room, Tank is my dog, if you don't know, but When I watch Tank in my living room just literally run in circles, chasing his own tail. That's literally what we do. I think that's what we do. Um, Because people, I mean, how many people, it would be really interesting to look into this, but what percentage of people actually die um, and leave their family a significant source of wealth, right? Or, Or excuse me, a significant amount of money. Okay, like let's say, ooh man, and I don't even okay. Let me let me specify here, because to me in my brain, like okay, leaving your family a significant amount of money would be you know leaving them a million dollars plus. But but I'm actually gonna tone it down a little bit, be a little bit more reasonable. I guess I'll say, Um, how many people die and leave their family at least? a hundred thousand dollars of liquid cash right or money that they can use however they please like how many I would be so interested in knowing because isn't that the idea like isn't that what everybody's trying to do? I bet you that the if, if there was a if there was a percentage okay man, this is interesting. I bet you the percentage in the United States is, higher than in other places other parts of the world like or even higher than the the percentage globally so let's just let's just look at the United States because that's who I'm talking to so I bet you the percentage of, of people in the United States who leave their family over a hundred thousand um, dollars is less than mm, I would say is probably less than 10 percent. Less than 10%, maybe even less than 5%. And I'm going to look it up after I get done recording this just to see. But but, but even just for the sake of discussion, all right? So that's a fairly small percentage. And I think that people, they, they, they stress and they worry and they toil for their entire lives to not only amass, let's say, you know, enough money so that they can retire and enjoy a few years relatively, but a few years of their life. But they work and they stress and they toil their whole life just to be able to leave or pass something on to their family, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. And not and not one in ten people does it. You know, it's 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 um dude, I it's gotta be less than that too. Guarantee you it's less than five percent. For real. And 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 it's like Okay, so if nobody really makes it there, well like man, you know what was the point of it all? Like literally, I think that I think that when people get to that you know, those last moments or days or weeks or even years of their life and they and they have to reflect on their life if all you did the whole time was chase this idea of success or security, and at the, you know, at the expense of experiences, of laughter, relationships, of adventure and, you know, mystery and suspense and, you know, all of those things, it's, you know, to me, it's not worth it. It's not. It's not. And if you and if you only have a three a, percent a chance or an or a five percent chance of achieving that, that idea of, of securing it, right, of, 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 securing that, that, that whatever it is that you think of as success or security or the purpose that you're, that you're toiling for, right, if you only have a three or five percent chance, you know, fuck, man, <laughs> why not, I don't know, why not embrace the, 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 the adventure, you know, why not e- embrace the, the life why not embrace life you know maybe you have a you probably have a 90 or a 1 or a 2% chance but man if the difference is only 1 or 2% like fuck man live would you like like for real that that's where i'm at you know that that's where i'm at and I, and i guess you know again i'm i'm not putting success on the back burner i, I I'm not, I really am not. And I mean success in the way that most of you guys define it. I'm not putting it on the back burner. it's it's here, you know, it's 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 on the table, but but so is, you know, adventure and so are experiences, and so is traveling and relationships and my dog and my brother and and and, and contributing. You know, all of these things are, are important to me. They really are, and and to me, they're just as valuable, just as important as that that idea, you know, as as security and success. They're they're just as important, and and I'm certainly not gonna just chase my tail for my whole life, trying to accumulate, you know, this 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 dollar. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. If it, if it if it happens, it happens, and and if it doesn't, I I can guarantee you one thing. You know I'm gonna have some really cool stories to tell. I really am. I'm gonna have some really cool stories to tell. I'm gonna have a lot of friends. You know I'm gonna have a lot of people that show up to my funeral. Um, I am. You know I have some some sights that I've seen. Some stories that I can never tell. You know, but it's just, man, I, I don't know, man. I don't know whether life is all about you know just running in this imaginary race like we're all just we're all just running this imag this this race you know and i just don't know if i i just don't know if i want to run i really don't i might just want to take my time and take a leisurely stroll through life so that i can enjoy every moment you know and uh and who knows i guess in the the thing that i that i realized when i was still in prison at one point cuz i used to be so judgmental and critical of how other people would would use their time and spend their days and live their lives and um and I had to remind myself one day that you know what like we're all we're all just trying to figure this shit out like that's the truth okay like even when somebody is doing something that I feel like is obviously counterproductive or is obviously not you know, a, a great way to, to live your life or spend your time. You know, the truth is it might seem obvious to you from your perspective, but like I don't, I, I really don't think that people mindfully and intentionally sabotage their own opportunity at life. Like I really don't. I think that deep down a lot of people, you know, most of the time, their motive for whatever decision that they're making is that they they really do feel like they're making the decision that's best for them at the time. However, you know, that that may be defined in a number of different ways, what is best for them, right? Um, but I really do feel like people generally make decisions that they feel like are, are best for them. And in, in that sense, everybody really is just doing the best they can. And we're all, we all just showed up here, right? And we're all just figuring it out, you know, doing the best we can to 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 you know, to just I don't know, to just take advantage of the opportunity we have. We're all just trying to figure figure life out um uh, one day, one decision, one moment at a time. And uh and and truly, if you if you keep that in mind that everybody's just doing the best they can, you know, then cool. Maybe you guys have it figured out and I don't. You know, like that that's what I try to remind myself sometimes. Like maybe, maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the idiot. Like seriously, maybe I'm the one chasing my tail and everybody else knows something that I don't. But I just, you know, I feel like I'm going to take my chances. <laughs> I, I really do. I really do. I feel like I'm going to take my chances. You know, something that I realized or, or that I noticed, okay, every single episode, and I'm kind of shifting gears here. Um, but every single episode that I've, that I've released so far, um, I have so many of you guys that will, you know, post the podcast on your Instagram story. You'll share it, you'll reach out, you'll message me, you know, a number of different things. And, and one, I just want to, you know, say, man, I appreciate that stuff so much, like more than you guys know, it, it means the world to me. I think if you've ever shared my show or, um, shot me a DM with some feedback like I've, I've gotten back to every single one of you every single time and it's because it really is important to me and it matters and and I do appreciate it. So thank you. Um, but this this last episode, <laughs> the last episode I released, I did touch on some very, very, very heavily debated, uh, emotionally charged um, polarizing topics. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't do it with the intention of polarizing my community, my audience, my people. Guys, I, I really felt comfortable just just flowing and, and sharing some of those thoughts, those ideas with you guys because I trust that we're all at the point. I mean, you guys know, I mean, one of the purposes of this show is to be, is to have some discussions that I think need to be had. And one of the biggest problems that I see in society these days is that there are... You know, there are certain topics that are just off limits like that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that there are certain topics that are off limits simply because we're we're incapable of having a conversation with somebody that feels differently than we do. That's that's unacceptable. We're, we're bigger than that. We're more mature than that. Um, and you know what, quite frankly, that's a dangerous spot to be in when you can't be friends with or associate with or even talk to anybody who has different social or political views than you do. Guys, that's a trap. Okay, that is a trap. Don't fall for that shit. It's a, It's not real life. Like, it, it's literally not real life. If you look at any single individual on earth, you look at any single one of the, even if you look directly at Somebody that you strongly disagree with, like somebody that puts out their social and political opinions and you strongly disagree with that person. And so you convince yourself that you don't like them, that maybe even you hate that person. Guaranteed, there is a lot more good about that person. There's a lot more. uh, There are a lot more things to like about that person than there are to dislike. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And people... You know, in the society that we live in right now, you know, it's, it's just, it's normal to look at somebody for one thing that they said or they did one time or their position or opinion on one topic and instantly that one thing, it automatically cancels out every good thing that they've ever done in their entire life. It cancels out their worth as a human being. It cancels out everything. All right, and all of a sudden, that person's a villain, and we fucking hate that person. Guys, I'm not like that, okay? I'm not like that. I may strongly disagree with you or anybody else on one topic or another, and I might feel really, really, you know, convicted in that. I might I might feel strongly about it, but you know what? At the end of the day, we've got to be better about keeping people in perspective, like the whole person, and saying, you know what? Man, I don't agree with them on that person. Like, I don't agree with everything they say, but... Man, he's a good dude. Or that's a good woman. Or, man, at least their intentions are pure. They're doing like just like I said a minute ago, they're doing the best they can, man. They 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 really are. They're doing what they believe to be to be the most good for the most amount of people, or whatever, whatever the case is. But we've got to be better about keeping people in perspective, the whole person, and not just, you know, villainizing. Villainizing, yeah, I think that's the word. Villainizing somebody for one thing that they said or did one time, right? But anyway, I say all that to say that I felt comfortable sharing some of those thoughts even though I didn't really think th- think through them thoroughly. Okay? It's not like I I don't come to these shows with notes or bullet points that I want to hit. I come on here to have a conversation with you guys. Like that's it. And so when I'm like sharing unfiltered thoughts with you guys, understand that these thoughts are in my mind fresh right now and they're coming out and you know what? I trust that you guys can handle it as if we were sitting face to face. And if you disagree, cool, let's talk about it. Um, but I noticed, and it was just a funny thing that I noticed, that nobody shared that show. Actually, one person, forgive me, one person, my dear friend Kara, she she shared that show. And I believe, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was just not a good show. But you know what? I also think I I, I, I presented some really thought-provoking Ideas, you know, like really, I guess that's fair to say, right? I I think objectively there were some thought-provoking ideas in the last episode, and nobody shared it, and I think the reason why nobody shared it is because to share it would be to implicitly endorse or agree with it, right? That Implicitly, that means like, you know, if you share it, it's basically implied that you endorse or agree with what I said in it. And, um, you know, I, and, and I think that that's just a good... Um, it's a perfect example of sort of like what happens when society goes in this direction that we're incapable of having discussions on certain topics or with certain people because they feel differently than we do. Because, you know, those were some conversations that quite frankly need to be had. But, but you guys were scared to even share it. <laughs> You guys were scared to even share it because you're probably worried about what someone would think if you shared it. And, uh, you know, I just I just thought it was worth bringing up here. I don't want to peer pressure anybody into sharing the show, but I do think it was a little bit, you know, there, there were some really, really thought-provoking dis- topics of discussion in that last episode. And, you know, specifically what I brought up about the urban black community, um, you know, I know that that's, that's something that, you know, man, I just, I care so much about it, and and I care about, you know, all communities, don't let me be very clear about this, but, but that idea of, yeah, of, of just trying to, the thing is, you know, thinking about going back and, and, and thinking about the example that I gave, you know, I said, and in case you didn't listen to the last episode, I shared how when I was in prison, I would often think about like, what if a baby was born in prison and they were raised, they never left the prison, they were raised in prison. Like the the the, the moral and ethical code that people live by in prison is so drastically different than the moral and ethical code that we live by here in society. And you know, their values in there are are drastically different than society's values. And so when a baby, if a baby were born in prison and then were raised in prison, had never left the prison, when it finally came of age, let's say it's 20, 22, 23, 24, you know, that 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 baby, and then you put it into society, okay, everything that that, that, that person had ever been taught um, is all that they know, right? And And all they know is a moral and ethical code that is literally incompatible with society's. You know, their values are values that are literally incompatible with society's values. And so you put that person into society and what happens? You know, they, they, you know, commit a crime or they violate society's moral and ethical codes, you know, Perhaps unknowingly, and what happens is that society will look at that person and say, "What the fuck is wrong with you? How could you do that? You know, how could you think that way, or how could you be that way, or you know, whatever?" Right? Society is appalled at their behavior, and is quick to throw them in jail, rightfully so, or in prison, rightfully so, and and they feel, you know, they feel almost indignant. At, at that person's behavior and why i'm i'm you know sort of explaining this and painting this picture for you guys is because I really truly uh, when I was in prison and I would sit you guys got to understand I'm from a small town like yeah I'm from new york um i have lived lived in in poor urban environments you know i grew up poor for the first like 10 years of my life i lived on and off with my biological mother and you know, like for example, like I've, I've lived in women's and children's shelters. I've, you know, lived in, you know, the quote unquote ghetto. I've, you know, I've been there, but, but most of my life and even most of my memories and from, you know, 10 or 11 years old forward, I lived in the country. Okay. I lived in, in, in a nice town in the country. Um, and so I went to, I went to prison and I was surrounded by a lot of these, these guys, which by the way, again, you know, the, the disproportionate imprisonment of of African Americans in this country is crazy like it's crazy it's something that you hear about you can maybe see some st- statistics but when you're actually in prison and you look around it is absolutely it, 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 it's 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 disgusting like it, it really is and you know I think i've I've heard like you know, African-Americans are like 13% of the population of the total population here in America, but they make up like 80 something percent of the prison population. Like it is absolutely insane. Okay. Like think about that. Look around and eight out of 10, every 10 guys in there is black, but that's beside the point. But anyway, the reason why I just painted that picture about this baby, right, that's born in this environment, they raised in this environment, everything that they learn, everything that they know was taught to them in this environment, and then you put them into, you know, a larger ecosystem, let's say society, and in, in very, very, you know, within a very short period of time, you know, they they violate society's rules, their their moral and ethical code, they get thrown in prison, society feels not only justified, but they feel you know they feel indignant at the at the fact that this person was even in society in the first place this is the predicament i think of the urban black community because for whatever reason this urban this 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 culture that is so strong it's infectious like it's it's so infectious that i think that people outside of the community you know they they almost like kind of like Ah man, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they they kinda like celebrate it, you know, like rap music and, and mass media, movies, T V shows. Like they almost like they, they 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 glamorize it. Okay. But anyway, this this culture that exists, even though it's glamorized on TV and in music and and those things, it's real. Like it it's real. Like the the drug dealing, the you know, the, the, the you know the the household, the you know, the way that they treat women, and, and it, it's, it's real, like it, it's a culture that people are born into, they're raised up for their entire life in this in this really uh, closed ecosystem, and then eventually they become of age, and they maybe spread their wings a little bit, and the moment they step outside of their ecosystem, the only moral and ethical code that they know and the, and, and the values that they've been taught since they, you know, since they were born are incompatible with societies. And so very, sh- you know, very shortly thereafter, you know, usually they violate one or more of, of society's rules. They get sent to prison. And then all of a sudden they're stuck in this, this, this uh, you know, this vicious cycle of like go to prison and then they go to prison and it's almost like it's almost normal it's almost normal. It's almost what they're used to. Like I I used to sit in there and I'd be surrounded by these guys from like New York city. Okay. For example. And, um, and, and, and you know what, It, it, it really, I don't know. Like it just, it just seemed like they were, they were just so comfortable in there. And, and, and if you think about it with eight out of every 10 guys in there being, you know, from the same or similar culture, it really is just like their neighborhood. And And I used to, dude, I used to meet guys that were from New York City that not only had never left New York City before, they had never even left their borough before. Okay, so like New York City is comprised of a few, bur- few boroughs. Let's say Brooklyn, for example, is a borough. Manhattan's a borough. I had met, and, I, and not just a few, I mean, I met so many guys from New York City that they had never even left their borough. If you're from Brooklyn, they'd never even left Brooklyn before. 25, 26 years old. And, and you know, that's the unfortunate, you know, predicament that people are in. And, and, and I guess devil's advocate would say, well, you know, who's whose fault is that? You know, and you're right. You're you're one thousand percent right. Like it's not it's not anybody's fault but theirs. But I just I don't know, it's just a different perspective on you know, on a big problem that, that I honestly think exists within a within a very specific demographic. Because I you know, again, I, I had to try to work my way out of this this sort of like bitterness and this resentment and this frustration when I would sit around and I would see these guys almost embracing prison culture, you know? And I and I had to work logically, you know, kind of reverse engineer logically through this whole scenario and try to understand how they could be so content, you know, in a place like that. And then not only that, but I met guys, like I met this one guy who he was in prison for the exact same thing that I was in prison for, except this was his fifth time being in prison, his fifth time. And every single time, it was for the exact same thing. And I had to like, and I had to wrap my mind around that. You know, like I'll never forget him. I will literally never forget him. In fact, meeting him and hearing his story one night is actually one of the moments that I had Where I was like, man, you know what? I I I could always go back to, you know, this is literally. I mean, I'm being honest with you guys here, okay? This is not my mindset this today, okay? But it was my mindset in that moment. But I said, you know what? I could always go back to selling drugs, like like for real, like I I I could I could always go back. Like, let me just let me just let me just try to do something else. Like, fuck it, man. Like, what what do I got to lose? Because worst case scenario, or if I go back to selling drugs, I'm gonna be like this guy, you know. I'm gonna be like this guy. I'm gonna be back in here three, four, five times for the rest of my life, in and out, for doing the exact same thing, arrested for the exact same charge five different times, and sent to prison every single time. That's gonna be me if I if I go back to selling drugs. So you know what? What's the worst that can happen? I may as well just, I may as well give it a shot. You know, I try I try to do something else. This is a conversation that I had with myself walking back from a program in which I met this guy and and I got a chance. It was may have been an NA meeting, like a narcotics anonymous meeting where where he shared his story, he shared who he was and you know how he got there and blah, blah, blah. And he had such an impression on me that I walked back that night and said, No fucking way. There's no fucking way. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'll try anything else. I'm gonna I'm gonna give life is shot in. And that was one of the turning points for me. It wasn't, I wish I could say that night, everything changed, but that, that night, everything did not change, but it certainly planted the seed, you know, and I had to kind of work mentally through that. I couldn't even get over it. How, how could you do that? And, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I never really actually explained it to you guys, but eventually I did. I ended up developing um, a course that you know guys could take like in prison you have to take you know a number of different programs like if you were in there for drugs you got to take a you know drug program if you're in there for let's say violence you got to take a violence program if you're in there what you know so on and so forth okay and so everybody has these programs that are kind of required they're not required in the sense that if you don't take them you don't go home um they're required in the sense that like New York state gives every single person an opportunity to earn what's called good time, which means that you can actually go home earlier than you're supposed to. So if you have a five-year sentence, maybe you can go home in four years if you get your quote-unquote good time. And the way that you earn your good time is one, with good behavior, but also two, with completing certain programs, okay? And I, towards the end of my incarceration, my my bid is what we call it, but towards the end of my bid, the last year or so, I actually developed a, a 12-week program that guys, that was a required, it became a required program for the guys in that jail to take if they wanted to qualify for their good time. Okay. And this whole program was geared towards trying to trying to literally just bring to light. This this predicament, you know. Seriously, like I, I would teach them about like values, for example. Like this was honestly probably one of my favorite parts of the curriculum was was values. And at some point, I guess I just got lucky. One day, I just woke up and realized that like you could say anything is important to you, but your behavior is. is is the truest reflection of your values, okay? And what I mean by that, I would literally, this is exactly how I would start this part of the curriculum. I would, I would explain, like, before I came to prison, if you would have asked me, you know, hey, Mark, what's more important to you, money or freedom? I would have certainly told you freedom, you know, of course. But every single day, I risked my freedom to make money. Or maybe if you if you would have asked me, hey Mark, what's more important to you, your friends or your family? Of course, like like everybody knows, I would, I, everybody would answer the same way. They'd say, of course, my family, right? Except every single day, I neglected my family to be with my friends, right? Or like you know, hey Mark, what's more important to you, your health or your habits? Of course, I, I would say my health. My health is 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 really important to me. Except. Every single day, my habits compromised my health. You see, and, and, and when I first had these realizations, what I realized is that, you know, society sort of teaches us without teaching us. It primes us to, to say the right thing in those moments. When somebody puts you on the spot and they ask you, hey, what's important to you? We all say the same things. We say family. We say security. We say health. We say Relationships, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we've got to, at some point in our lives, you know, be really honest with ourselves and make an honest assessment of our behavior, and ask ourselves, what are my actual values? You know, what does my behavior say? Because my behavior before I went to prison told me that I didn't, I didn't value freedom more than I valued money I valued money more than I valued freedom my behavior my actions on a day-to-day basis it, it, it actually conflicted with my claim that my family was more important than my friends because my behavior my actions would tell you that my friends were actually more important to me than my family at the time and so I would I would have this discussion with a room full of hardened criminals for real and, and I would challenge them to make an assessment of their pre-prison behavior. And then we would go through and we would list out like, what are the values that we hope to uphold when we get out of here? And then we would have a discussion about what would that actually look like? What would that actually look like? If my, if, if my freedom were more important to me than my than money, okay. What would that actually look like if my family was more important to me than my friends? What would that actually look like? And then we 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 would have to go through it. And of course, you know, you can't hold anybody to that. I, I I didn't follow up with anybody after they left prison or anything like that. But but the least I mean, all I hoped to accomplish with that program and with that discussion specifically was opening up their eyes to the fact. That there are completely different sets of values that they are perfectly capable of upholding on a daily basis. That there are, you know, com- there, there are completely different moral and ethical codes than the one that they've known their whole life that they're perfectly capable of adhering to on a day-to-day basis. You know, we would talk about like integrity. Integrity is my absolute favorite word, okay? Um, I remember the first time that I read the definition of integrity. I remember exactly what the definition said, all right? And, um, and it stuck out to me so much, okay? And in fact, you know what? I'm not in a rush. I'm actually really enjoying this conversation. But when I first read the, the, the word integrity, okay, I paused and I had a general idea of what it meant but I'd never actually looked up the definition. I didn't know for certain. I couldn't tell you what it meant. I could guess, you know. And um, and so I paused and I pulled out my dictionary, which, it, you know, I was in prison. I didn't have a phone. I couldn't Google it. I pulled out my actual dictionary and I flipped, 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 flipped. Found the eyes. Flipped, flipped, flipped. Found integrity. And what it said, and I still have the same dictionary to this day, like the actual one, not like the same cop a copy of the same one. I have the same, I have my prison dictionary to this day. And the definition said, adherence to a code of morals and values. Adherence to a code of morals or values, right? And, um, you know, the word, the word adherence really stood out to me, because, you know, at that point, I was already thinking a lot about these things, and, and, and and I sort of took it for granted that there's, there's no universal code of morality, there's no, you know, there's, there, there isn't, you know, as much as people hate to agree with me on that point, because they say, no, right is right, and wrong is wrong, and I don't care where you are, murder is wrong, and blah, 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 people always, they always come with the same argument to this, to this point, um, But whether you like it or not, there there is no universal code of morality. There's there's nothing that we all agree on that's quote-unquote right and wrong that's best or not best, right? And so the key word in that definition, in that adherence to, to a code of morals or values, right, the key word is adherence. It's about somebody taking the time to really identify what what is their code of morals or values? what, uh, you know, what's important to them? Um, you know, what do they believe to be right and wrong? And then once they have identified those things, rigorously adhering to them, right? That's the key. That's the essence. The essence of integrity is consistency. You know, it's showing up. It's having an idea of who you are, what you believe in and not deviating from it for anything you know consistently adhering to the code of morals or values that you've committed to and and in those in that course and in that class with those guys I mean you got to imagine the first time I hosted one of those courses or one of those classes I'm in a room full of these guys, I mean, murders and drug dealers and scam artists and all these things, and and they don't wanna be there. Like, nobody in prison wants to take the programs, okay? They all take them because they have to, because they wanna get their good time. So they're resenting the fact that they have to sit through it in the first place, and here I am having trying to have this discussion with them, um, and it was just, dude, it was, I mean, that's why I can public speak now. If you could speak in front of a group of fucking convicted felons, you can speak in front of anybody, I, I'm going to be honest, you know, because they didn't want to be there and they didn't want to hear this from me. Who the fuck was I? You know, I was in there wearing green just like they were. But you know what? By the end of that 12 weeks, man, I had these guys, I really did. That was the first taste that I had of giving, you know, of just giving with no, with no, with, with no personal agenda. With no with nothing to gain. I had nothing to gain. i had already lost all my good time. I was ineligible. <laughs> I was ineligible for good time. And here I am, you know, and I and I was just giving. There was nothing in it for me. That was the first taste that I got of it. For real. That was the first taste. And um Actually, I lied. So before then, you know, I already shared a story of how people would start coming up to me. Hey, man, I want to change my life. I want to change my life. But this was the first time that I really like committed to it. And I did it publicly. I did it out and I didn't care what anybody thought I was going to show up for these guys, whether they wanted to show up for me or not. Right. And um, it was incredible, man. By the end of that 12 weeks, I would have guys, you know, really engaged in the discussions. We would talk about integrity. We would talk about morals and values we would talk and we would talk about you know hey you have the power you have it's your you choose the code of morals or values that you adhere to but anyway guys I I, I digress I digress I don't know how I dove into this all over again but as you guys can see like I really do I really do feel strongly about it and and what I'm talking about here is not the solution I just want to be clear about this because I'm going to have some people you know, message me on Instagram or whatever about, like, systemic racism or about, you know, redlining or about, uh, listen, guys, that that pile of shit is so deep, okay, I get it, you know, and it's not just that community, okay, I'm just focusing on that community right now, there's, there's problems in every community and there's problems, you know, there's systemic problems and, you know, that affect a multitude of different groups and demographics of people, so... Let me just say that so that I don't get, you know, shit for leaving anybody out. and 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 I also don't want to get any shit for implying that this is the end all be all solution. I'm just I'm just sharing, you know, kind of my thoughts and my experience with you guys, honestly. And and you know what? There is no end all be all solution. I think every single person matters. It's one person at a time, one conversation at a time, one interaction at a time, one conversation like this, like the one that I had. You know, if I had a room full of, you know, 20 guys, you know, a class that would come through for 12 weeks, it'd be 20 guys. Okay, if one or two of them were inspired by the course to go out and and, and at least try it a little differently, that's all you can ever, that's all you can hope for, you know? Like, you only control how you show up. You don't control how anybody else shows up. You don't control whether, how they receive the information. You don't control any of that. You just control how you show up, but I really do believe that there is a role to play by everyone. And and, and it's because there are so many, there's so much room for improvement, irrespective of what demographic, of what group of people, even what one individual you look at. There's so much room for improvement and we all have something to offer. Like we all do. Even if it's just some positive energy, some reassurance, even if it's just... You know, friendship or companionship, acquaintanceship. Uh, Even if it's just setting an example, like something that I I used to repeat to myself back then is, "Hey, no matter who you are, somebody somewhere looks up to you. No matter who you are, I used to share that with the guys. No matter who you are, somebody somewhere looks up to you. Imagine if your if your nephew or your son or your daughter or somebody followed in your footsteps." because you think that your life doesn't matter. You think that you're insignificant, but you know what? You're significant to someone. I know that for a fact. If you you listening to this right now, you think that you're insignificant. You think that what you do doesn't matter, right? But I can tell you for a fact that you are significant to somebody, for real. No matter who you are, somebody somewhere looks up to you, and that's why it's important. It's important for you to show up and do your best. It's important for you to show, for you to have some of these conversations with yourself. It's important for you, like me, that one time to sit and ask yourself, are my values really my values? Or am I, am I adhering to the code of morals and values to the, you know, am I being a person of integrity? Am I showing up the way that I know I can and that I know I should? Am I giving myself the best chance at life? Am I, am I, Am I chasing my tail, you know this this idea? Am I chasing an idea uh, of success that somebody else gave to me, or am I am I taking the time to sit and ask myself what do I think? What what? How would I define success? What is life all about for me? You know, that's it, guys. That's it. I don't got nothing else. I don't even know how long I've been talking. Man, almost an hour now. That's what I got tonight. I. I'm just, again, you know, I'm showing up for the conversations, man. I appreciate you guys so much. I don't even have any coffee this time, but as always, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, Don't be scared to share it. Even if I say some shit that you guys disagree with, understand that it's all in good, productive conversation. I don't get offended. I don't feel bad if you disagree or feel differently. In fact, we got to we got to have more of these discussions but love you guys as always appreciate you I'll talk to you next time